0: Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. Today we're speaking with Dr Rebecca Venciaruti, who is a Head and Neck Research Fellow at Chris O'Brien Lifehouse and an academic at the University of Sydney. Rebecca has recently published a new survey of general practitioners in the Australian Journal of Rural Health about the geographic variation in referral practices for patients with suspected head and neck cancer.
1: Welcome, Rebecca. Thanks for having me.
0: So I understand that this study has been years in the making. and If I remember right, I'm pretty sure it's part of your PhD. So could you give us a little bit of background on how you got into this area of research, as well as some background on the study itself?
1: Sure. So I originally trained as a dietitian, but I found myself really drawn to the research side of healthcare. And so when I was working as a research officer in head and neck radiation oncology, I would sit in in the MDT meetings and became really aware of the challenges that regional and rural patients face in being diagnosed and treated for head and neck cancer, and also for the follow-up care that they receive, which can last for many years after their treatment. Head and neck cancer is quite a complex cancer. It's relatively uncommon, and so it's managed by specialist clinicians in large, high-volume centres, which tend to be in major cities. And so this requires significant travel by patients, which can be quite off-putting and lead to delays in diagnosis and treatment or patients choosing not to undergo any treatment at all. And so this led me to wanting to explore variations in outcomes for head and neck cancer patients in New South Wales based on geography, which was what my PhD thesis was on. So we undertook this survey of GPs because of the important gatekeeper role that they play in cancer care in Australia. GPs are typically the first healthcare professional that patients will see when they have symptoms of cancer. And so understanding their role in the pathway to diagnosis and treatment is really important. I always
0: like what you just mentioned there, having a gatekeeper system when people say that I always think about you know GPs literally standing at a gate you know like Gandalf you shall not pass (laughs) I don't know why it does that but it it does that for me (laughs) and you bring up a you know a really good point there that you know GPs are an important resource to understand the differences in how patients with symptoms of head and neck cancer are treated in rural and metro areas so how did you actually go about asking GPs for their opinions
1: so like with any survey, uh, the design of the survey was the most challenging part. Um, so we had to design a completely new survey because there's, there's really no instrument out there that could uh, really capture what we wanted to look at, which was the decisions that GPs would make regarding referral of patients with symptoms suggestive of head and neck cancer. So we got together a study team which consisted of a cancer epidemiologist, head and neck surgeons, and an academic GP, and we constructed a clinical scenario of a patient who presented to their GP with what we call red flag symptoms which are suggestive of head and neck cancer and so this was based on clinical expertise and we piloted this among some other gps before we actually surveyed our population We surveyed GPs in a metropolitan primary healthcare network and a regional primary healthcare network, uh, and this mirrored the geographic locations that I was sampling uh, for other studies in my PhD. And we asked the GP participants in response to this clinical scenario to tell us which specialist they might refer the patient to and why, whether and how they might facilitate an appointment with a specialist. To give an estimate of how long a patient might wait to be seen based on their own practice experience and any actions they might take to fast track an appointment. We also asked GPs to rate the importance of various patient and health system factors that they thought could affect the diagnostic interval. So that's the time between first presentation to a healthcare professional and the diagnosis of cancer. And finally, we asked GPs to tell us which guidelines or resources they might use in clinical practice to guide decision making about referral for suspected cancer and how useful they found them in their clinical practice. So that actually probably took the most amount of time and took a lot of refinement going between the epidemiologists, the surgeons, the GP. So lots of uh, little refinements along the way. And we ended up calling it uh, a bit of a bespoke survey to fit our needs. I also like the word bespoke. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: I think the other thing that it's nice to hear you say is that you actually included an academic GP as part of that project team, because from my experience, it's quite surprising how much research is sometimes actually done that's directed at GPs, but doesn't involve them in the development of, you know, a survey design or a research study design. And it's just expected that they'll participate when they're asked. So I think it's wonderful that you really brought primary care and GPs in right at the start of your study.
1: Yeah. And it reminds me a bit of when you're working with consumers and, you know, one of those catchphrases, nothing about us without us. So we thought it was really important from the beginning to get input from from the end users as soon as we could. And so speaking of end users, you
0: were able to survey nearly 2,000 GPs across New South Wales. Do you want to take us through, you know, the key results that came out of that survey and your engagement with them?
1: Yeah. So Uh, As you said, we surveyed almost 2,000 GPs and we had a response rate a little over uh, 10%, which is relatively low but not completely unheard of when surveying GPs out of the blue. Our major finding was that GPs in regional New South Wales said that their patients were significantly less likely to be seen within two weeks of referral to a specialist. So this two-week period is what is considered optimal under Australian guidelines and also several international guidelines. In fact, less than half of regional GPs said that this hypothetical patient would be seen within two weeks. And this compares to about 70% of metropolitan GPs uh, who said that the patient would be seen within two weeks so that was um, quite a stark difference that we found and actually um, is reflective of some of the other work that I did in my PhD where we did see some of those referral delays. The second major finding was that there was a, a quite a difference in who regional GPs were likely to refer the patient to. So regional GPs were told us they were more likely to refer patients to either a general surgeon or an ear, nose and throat specialist, whereas metropolitan GPs told us that they would likely refer to a head and neck surgeon directly. And this is really reflective of the availability of specialists in regional areas. There are far fewer head and neck surgeons who practice in regional New South Wales compared to general surgeons and even Ear, nose, and throat, or ENT specialists. The third finding that we found was essentially that guidelines and resources, which are available to GPs as well as other specialists, were really not used in clinical practice. There was low awareness about some of the guidelines and resources that are available, and among the GPs who were aware of these guidelines, Few of them found them particularly useful in clinical practice. And GPs are really going to medical updates in in clinical magazines or general practice journals to find information. So there was, I'd be hesitant to say a lack of awareness, but I think that there is perhaps an underutilisation of these resources or, or guidelines in primary care be interested in our last question,
0: which is always about next steps, how your team might think about improving, you know, utilisation of those resources. We have a wide disparity in treatment outcomes between rural and metro uh, patients in New South Wales. And what do you think are the key factors that are at the core of this issue that need to be addressed?
1: So one of the key issues is simply workforce due to the nature of head and neck cancer it's a really good example it's a cancer that is relatively uncommon Um, you know it's often mistaken for brain cancer for example Um, and it's managed at high volume centers in, in major cities and particularly for surgical procedures outcomes tend to be better among patients who are treated at high volume centers so that makes sense but it means that patients face an access issue. Patients will either have to wait a long time to see a specialist who might come up every few months to the regions or they have to travel over perhaps several days to an appointment in a major city, which can be quite overwhelming for patients in in regional New South Wales, um, who perhaps aren't used to travelling such a long distance. And it's quite expensive as well when you factor in things like accommodation, transport, as well as the appointment costs. So there are ways in which this can be overcome, for example, by having specialists fly in and fly out, uh, providing regular clinics at regional hubs in New South Wales. There are several examples of this happening with Sydney and Newcastle specialists going out to the regions. Secondly, I think there may be an underawareness of, of head and neck cancer. As I mentioned just before, it's often mistaken for brain cancer which are treated by different specialists, and perhaps the appropriate referral pathways that facilitate a prompt diagnosis uh, could be better publicised. We found in our study that GPs weren't necessarily aware of some of the government resources for referral pathways, and if they did, they didn't find them particularly useful. So perhaps some of the communication and implementation strategies of guidelines might be worth revisiting to increase awareness And use in practice. And what do you think are the wider implications
0: of this study for primary care in both settings that you've looked at, rural and remote, across Australia?
1: So I think it goes back to that thing of the important role that GPs play in coordination of cancer care. So looking at cancer as a more more general issue, GPs are involved from screening and diagnosis to perhaps managing patients when they're in treatment, uh, follow-up and survivorship care. And I think recognising that critical role that GPs play in the whole cancer care journey, um, if we can involve primary care in the design and delivery of interventions that aim to improve the referral pathways, not just for diagnosis, but also for any other issues that might come up in treatment or in survivorship care. I think that's probably going to be one of the ways that we might be able to minimise any variation in outcome and improve the patient experience. We do sometimes hear that patients get referred to many different doctors when they have various issues, and taking head and neck cancer as an example, you know, patients may be seeing, you know, three or four different doctors, not to mention the nurses and, and allied health professionals. So being able to have resources that GPs can go to to manage the patient that is in front of them or refer them promptly on to the right person at the right time, that might be a little bit of a game changer to improve uh, patient experience and also hopefully to improve prompt diagnosis and referral of head and neck cancer. My last question
0: is always about what's next. (laughs) So it's, you know, what's next for you and, and the team you're in to help build on this
1: study? So in my role at the Chris O'Brien Lifehouse, we're continuing this work um, that I did in my PhD. So I'm now in a a postdoc role and my portfolio really looks at improving outcomes for all patients with head and neck cancer, um, but particularly regional and rural patients. So I work very closely with clinicians and care coordinators who manage our outreach clinics. We currently have outreach clinics in several major towns in New South Wales. And so we're looking at things like the economic impact of having outreach clinics, the savings that can be made to patients as well as the government by having these services available, how we might be able to improve education and and other outreach activities for local dentists and local general practitioners. And we're also conducting a large data linkage study. So a lot of the work that I did in my PhD were smaller cohort studies that were looking at, you know, 50 to 100 patients with head and neck cancer. What we're doing now is collecting routinely collected administrative health data um, at both the state and uh, Commonwealth level to look at unwarranted variation and quality of cancer care for head and neck cancer. And so this will actually be able to give us some actionable points that our research can can focus on and, and perhaps ways that we might be able to improve the care that we provide to patients by looking at any gaps in outcomes and provision of optimal cancer care. Does your data linkage include primary care data sets? no it includes some mbs and pbs data but we don't have access to primary healthcare data sets that's a good uh, good future discussion for you and i then isn't it it is <laughs> yeah i think actually you know based on this whole discussion obviously we know the importance of primary care so being able to have access to that to those data would be incredible for look thank you so much for your time today rebecca my pleasure thanks for having me Christy.
0: Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info 4 tgcomau or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg and there's also our website which is pc4tg.com.au